Hello, hello, and welcome back to Coffee Stained EDU Podcast. This is your host, Geneva Rodriguez, and I'm coming to you with episode 29, How to Cultivate a Classroom that Represents Students. A very, very heavy and important topic, but before I dive into that, I would like to share our Instagram, which is coffeestains underscore edu. Our website is coffeestains.org. On our website, you can find our episodes as well as a tab that shares resources that I discuss or reference during our episodes. Follow us on Instagram so you can keep up to date with any new episodes. You can also reach out to me with, with any tips or suggestions on topics. Thank you to all my listeners. This, was, this topic was also recommended by a listener. So thank you and shout out to all my listeners to everyone that provides support and suggestions, tips, and advice on how to improve my podcast. Again, I do it for my listeners. So without you guys, this wouldn't even even exist. So thank you. Thank you so much. You're truly appreciated. I'm forever grateful for you. I try to keep every episode 25 minutes or less, but of course, some that lately I've been going over. <laughs> I think I like to talk too much. Um, but I try to keep it under 25 minutes. Some topics go over. It's all based. It's all based on the information that I'm trying to share. I try to keep it um, to a minimum because I know we are all busy. We have lives. We have personal lives, professional lives. We have things going on. So I try to keep it to a point where I just share tips and advice and the episode with a challenge, so you can go on with your life. <laughs> so. Let's dive right into this topic. Representation is so important in a school setting. And I know if you are an administrator right now, if you are a teacher, you can, you can agree with me on that. It's so important for not only in the classroom. So before I have to go dive into the classroom aspect of this episode, I want to talk about from administration level, um, administrative level. I mean, I'm an assistant principal, been principal going into my third year. I'm really new at the game. I'm a newbie, but we know the importance of representation. I know the importance of representation. I'm a Hispanic woman. Um, I was born and raised in um, New York, Brooklyn. Um, area and I am a product of the New York City Department of Education and I I recall growing up and having a majority of white teachers keep it straight with you I don't I, I think maybe there was like one or two black or brown teachers in my school and I went to a few elementary schools and it was across the board like that. The first elementary school I went to, I remember, I can only remember two. And I'm sure maybe my sisters will re could remember more than I can. But I remember two black teachers, two black teachers in a public school that had over 300, 400 kids, two black teachers. And I remember their names. And I remember I had I had I had one of them briefly. I don't believe I think I don't, I don't think I had the other one, um, the second one. I think my sisters had her, um, and I, you know, I try to reflect and think back as to why do I remember them? Why why are their names engraved in my brain, and their face? Their you know I can I I remember exactly how they look, and all I can go back to is. 
it's because they were black. Their skin color was a little closer to mine than a majority of the teachers in there. The way they spoke to us was different. The way they dressed was different, you know? Um, and I grew up in, um, in the projects in Bushwick before moving to Greenpoint and, and then moving to another project of development in Coney Island. Um, so, and a, a majority of what was around me were black and brown, right? Black and brown kids, black and brown families. And then going to a school in a black and brown community and only seeing white teachers, there was not a lot of representation. And I can remember the classrooms, the books, the content, everything was, there was nothing that really was relevant to, to me, to us, to our community, to our upbringing. So this goes back, you know, I'm about to be 40, so you do the math, you know, like this goes back for years and I'm sure that, you know, it, it goes back way before my time as well. Um, and there, you know, there's so much power in representation in a school. Even now, there's a lot of, you know, like a lot of schools are trying to diversify their staff and they're trying to bring in a mix. And, and, and it's not only about, you know, backgrounds, even as far as male and female teachers, right? We, we lack male representation in schools. We lack male black and brown teachers, right? And our kids need to see people that look like us. Kids need to see that that there that there that it there is a possibility for them to be in, in a position like us. Okay, here in on a new leaders website, uh, leadership changes everything. Newleaders.org. Representation gaps exist in classrooms across the country. The majority of public school educators are women. Seventy-six percent. Only twenty percent identify as teachers of color. Only twenty percent. And just 2% identify as African-American males. 2%. You know, that is so sad. Only today, half of all students in K-12 public schools identify as people of color. While only one in five schools principals do. Only 11% of principals are black and just 9% are Hispanic. So this comes from the top. This comes from the top. It comes from administration to teachers and then into the classroom. And I feel like even just representation on that level, that calls for a whole other episode. But I wanted to just start this episode with that. How representation is so important. Kids need to see people that look like us. They need to see and know that there's a possibility, there's benefits. We need to be role models. Students of colors get to see role models in action as they challenge stereotypes and replace inequitable systems, okay? While we're building learning environments rooted in respect, high expectations, and inclusivity. And this kind of leadership also not only benefits the black and brown, but this benefits the white, the white students as well. It's just so sad that um, there's not enough representation, especially in the communities of lower income. 
we have to make a change in that, right? So talking about on a leadership level, then talking about on a teacher level. And while you might be a white teacher um, and, you know, you are an educator and, and, and you, you might be quote unquote woke, right? Um, or you might have the ability to to teach our kids there are a lot there are still um our kids of color there are still a lot of educators that fail in that area that fall short and it's and 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 it, it might just be because of lack of knowledge or maybe just not sure how to approach it they're scared they're nervous that they might say or do something wrong um it's a lack of education on their on their ends it might even come from on on a higher on a, from a higher level from administration that they don't provide those opportunities or, or teachers just don't feel safe to bring that up to administration right it it can't, there's so many levels to this there are so many levels to this but you as a teacher, I'm talking to the teachers now, and we're going to dive into the episode and the topics. Um, there are things that you can do within your classroom. And this is what I'm going to be covering in this episode. Things you can do in your classroom and how you can cultivate a classroom that represents students. There are so many ways you can do that on your level. And I know sometimes teachers, um, they get nervous, they get scared, you know, obviously they wanna follow the rules and regulations of the school and they avoid certain things because they don't see other teachers doing it or they don't hear the principal talking about it. And you know, shame on, on, on that administration for not talking about it or trying to create a school that's culturally responsive or that has representation in the classroom or that's inclusive, right? Um, but as an educator, there are things you could do within your classroom. And that is what I'm going to, going to be discussing in this episode, okay? First things first, is you have to address your own implicit biases. Your own implicit cultural biases. We all have them. We all have them. Even black and brown people have them. We have to take a moment to reflect. We have to take a moment to reflect on what our cultural, cultural biases are and address them. Right? That's all about our values and, and our beliefs about other, you know, other communities or society or the society we belong to, right? So how can we, we, how can we improve or, or make shifts in our classroom and bring in representation and do it properly if we don't even know what our cultural biases are? A lot of people struggle with reflecting on who they are. A lot of people are, are not aware, are, are not capable of, of doing such a thing because they might not even accept or realize that they have these biases, right? So you need to be able to take a moment to reflect on your own biases and prejudice. Notice the little things, being aware and being present in how you move, right? And addressing that. 
that's a whole other episode as well so i'm not going to dive too much into that but i'll just tap and i'll just start off with that because there's no way that you can effectively provide representation or inclusiveness um, in your classroom if you don't check your own cultural biases because I know we all have them we all have them and it's not just white people that have them it's black and brown it's everyone has their biases and for you to d deny that that's just like wow um you need to check yourself okay you need to make sure you're able to monitor beha your behaviors pay attention close attention to those things um, and why you have those biases? Why do you feel like you're, they, they come from, you know, a lot of them come from childhood. It comes from our families. It comes from our upbringing. Um, you you want to widen your social circle um, and stop, you know, stop staying so closed in to what you know and what you're familiar, familiar with and what you're comfortable with. Once you widen your social circle, you're opening that to different cultures and, and religions and beliefs and backgrounds. And that will help you become more aware of what's going on um, outside of your little world, right? Quote unquote. And stop making assumptions based on what you what you've heard, how you grew up, what you've seen. That will help reduce those cultural biases. So, I've I've made a change in. You know, one one major part is if is implementing inclusive language, utilizing inclusive language. And what does that mean? So I have shifted from saying mom and dad. OK, and I think that's like that's a first step. And for you, that might be like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Oh, it's it's massive. And if you are opening yourself to learn your school, learn your community, learn your students, you need to be able to implement inclusive language i'm going to actually post um share i'm sorry share in my on my website some visuals of inclusive language okay i'm going to give you two examples right now so for example instead of saying mom and dad when you talk to kids you want to say families or caregivers, right? You may have grew up with your mom and dad or with mom or with just dad. But is that what your students are growing up with? Does that represent your whole class? I think not. And we need to be mindful of that right that might trigger a kid that might hurt a kid that might make a kid feel sad it might make a kid feel angry um you don't know this is why it's important to get to know your families to get to know your kids but before you do that because that's going to take time use inclusive language shift away from saying mom and dad or dear mom and dear dad when you write stories um or write i mean write letters um, when you address families in the classroom, um, you want to say families, families or caregivers. That's that's the first start, right? Another one, which is a big, big one, is using boy and girl. Let's try to shift away from that. What would be some inclusive language that you can use for that? Maybe uh, students, 
maybe scholars, maybe friends. Okay, remember inclusive language. And that's all part, that's all part of representation because you need to know the community you serve. You need to know your students. And for us growing up, it might have been boy, girl, boy, girl, whatever. All oh, boy line, girl line. Boy stand here, girl stand here. Oh, boys and girls, let's go. Uh, pay attention, whatever, right? No. Let's shift away from that and use inclusive language. And that would be students. That would be friends. That would be scholars, just to, to share a few examples. Another way you can cultivate a classroom that represents students is diversifying your classroom libraries. Try to get books with characters or with people or about the cultures that you are, uh, that are in your community. Kids want to see them. Kids, want to, kids will make better connections if they have books and they hear, they read stories with kids that come from communities like they come from, have names like they have, right? Let's shift away from the, the Sam and the Tom and the Brad and the John and the Susie, right? What does your community serve? What are the kids, what are the names of the kids in your class? We wanna see that. What are their cultures? What are their religions? What are their beliefs? Books should ref re reflect or represent your students. They'll be more engaged in the reading. They'll be more engaged in what's going on in the classroom. When they see and they make a connection with what they're reading. It's important to get to know your students, your families, and your communities. You want to understand the communication norms and the culture, cultural learning styles right some of us are big on eye contact or in our or social distance with your talking or not using your hands when you speak um you have to be mindful of the community that you that you serve in some cultures they don't make eye contact it's a sign of respect for us here we look at it as a sign of disrespect right um you know some people are very touchy when they when they communicate or when they talk for us up in Brooklyn <laughs> New York we're like no like fall back step back don't touch me right um, uh, we you know we look at you not making eye contact again that can also be like a like just a sign of a disability or uh, or or sign of respect it, there could be so many things that that does that that um that means and for us we have to be we have to check us and why we feel that is disrespectful, right? That comes from our upbringing, that comes from our families um, when someone doesn't make eye contact with you. But like in other countries, which in a lot of other communities, which I've experienced lately in my new job, in my um, new position as an assistant principal, um, yeah, a lot of them don't make eye contact. Some women cannot talk to men. Um, you know, some men do not want to talk to women. Like it's, there's a lot and when you work in such a diverse community and a school, you need to be open to learning those things. You want to find out about the family structures, the primary language of your students, including like dialects and slang. That's very, very important. 
um, and different activities and sports, the music and that culture, maybe cultural references, cultural references, so, social, religious, and other identities. That's very important. And that's, you know, another episode I discussed getting to know your students, conducting a survey in the beginning of the school year, um, c- making connections with families because that's going to show you and that's going to help you and that's going to give you resources. Families are your resource. The community is your resource. You might not live in that community. You might not know that community, community right? Um, and you might have no knowledge experience, but don't shy away from that. Dive into that. Push forward and, and, and learn that community. Take, spend time in that community. Go, go, go eat lunch in the community. Go sit in the park. Have conversations with the, with the families. Become familiar with the students that you are serving and be open to learning their style of learning and their, and, and different cultures um, beliefs and values and implement that in your lessons implement that in your lessons and that's where I go in I'm going into making your classroom more welcoming by using pictures and references during math like for example the names the names is such a big deal you know kids want to want to make connections and feel you know the, the information and the content that you share with them should be relevant to them for example the big one like in math if you're or, or in reading you're, you're talking about farms and, and and you're talking about barns and you're talking about animals and you're talking about um i don't even know yeah like those few examples we live in brooklyn they live in the city while yes exposure is great to those things but you want them to make a connection you want them to understand you need to use things that are relevant to them in math um and if you're if you're teaching them about maps and um north south east west maybe use the school maybe use the blocks around the school right um i don't know like just well yeah use the community it's a great resource and it's also it helps kids make better connections you want to use names that they are familiar with we need to steer away from those basic like i said earlier the john the sam the sarah you know we want to stick to to names like if you know in your community if you have a lot of mohammed use mohammed use fatima um, use, a, you know, Jennifer, use um, Raheem, right? Like use names that they can connect to. Use examples that are relevant and, understand, and, and that they understand. You want to use pictures also that represent who they are, how they look, their upbringing, their cultures, we want to show our students that we care and we understand and we're making it a priority to learn about them so that we can better meet their needs. And what better way than to create those relationships with families and with the community. You want to allow students also to share their stories and their cultures and their beliefs with their, um, with their peers. So allow opportunities for cultural celebrations, um, let kids come in and, and maybe bring some things that are um, symbols or reflections of their, their 
celebrate their cultures maybe clothing maybe food maybe um songs or stories maybe some pictures right it's so important to bring that awareness to kids and open and expose them to different things and for for them to for students to realize that you're open to celebrating that and acknowledging that that's such a beautiful thing they're going to feel welcome they're going to feel appreciated they're going to the most important thing they're going to feel seen right i'm going to share on the website for for response i found a great website it's called responsiveclassroom.org and i'm going to share the website with you and look through it figure out ways that you can provide representation in your classroom there are a bunch of classroom practices and strategies on how you can make your classroom more inclusive and you can provide representation in your classroom it's also you know very important that while you're trying to do this in a class on the classroom level maybe hopefully your school will be open to doing this on a school-wide level it's important our kids we want to engage our kids and provide a class a positive classroom culture right we want to expose our kids to different perspectives and we need to know how to do that. We need to have the support to do that, right? So even if you speak to your, your administration, you know, you, you want to figure out ways that you can provide representation in your classroom. You're kind of hitting a wall. You're not sure how you can do that or how, how does that look or what you're allowed to do, what you cannot do. Um, bring that up to, a min to an administrator. I think that would be respected. And I feel like that would be honored because you're showing and you're taking the initiative to get to know your students. You want to support your students um, on different levels. You want to connect with them um, by, connect, by understanding their backgrounds. So I think that's very important to, that would be a, a great step if you currently don't have um, this type of school culture where there's representation of your students in the classroom. Another thing that I want to mention before I tap out is if you, which I, I, I saw this recently at a school that I visit and it was really heartbreaking. Um, if you are in a school that is predominantly white, you serve a predominantly white community. Or you or you or you uh, serve a predominantly um, black community, right? We'll stick to those two for now, but you get the point I'm trying to make. Um, yes, you want to show representation of the of of your community you serve. That's what I'm saying right now, right? And you might not be in such a diverse community like I am in, right? Like I have, there's so many different um, backgrounds um, and cultures in my community, and we try to show representation for all and we try to support all i think we're doing pretty good on that but 
if you are a school that has uh, predominantly white kids a school that has predominantly black kids do you feel you need to show to provide representation in the classroom think of that question and answer that um, do you feel that if your school serves predominantly white kids that you should show representation of other communities in your classroom and I hope your answer was yes I hope your answer was absolutely I hope you didn't have hesitation in that if you did you need to check yourself you need to check those those biases and those reasons as to why you felt that um, because you need to expose children to all races ethnicities cultures beliefs values so not keep them in a little bubble in their little world because that is what is all that it, because that's what's around them in their classroom that's around them in their school community because in the world the world is very diverse and you know that um and i saw this in a school i went to and it was heartbreaking because it was awesome that on on one level that there was so much empowerment and, and, and strength and in representation of who they were, right? But then when we went in the classrooms to see libraries and to see the material they were using and to see how they were teaching and the language they were using, it was a little uncomfortable for us, and I know for me personally it was, um, and having conversations with other people, they, they thought the same. Um, we, we can't keep our kids in these little bubbles as well and let them think that this is just a black world or this is just a brown world, this is just a white world. Um, while we can elevate and empower their, their race, absolutely, um, we also need to expose them and introduce other races, other nationalities, other languages, other social economic backgrounds, right? We need to expose them to all those things and not just keep them in a little bubble of what's in their, what, what's in their world because that is the world we live in is very diverse. And we need to provide them the opportunity to understand and to celebrate diversity. I'm going to wrap it up with that. Hopefully that made sense, that little last piece that I shared. So this was episode 29, How to Cultivate a Classroom that Represents Students. Yep, I went over time, 30 minutes, all good. I hope that those tips and advice were helpful for you, the, the um, suggestions I gave you. I'm going to post some resources on the website on how you can cultivate a classroom that represents your students and I am going to upload this website the sorry this episode to the website as well so you can have it whenever you want to reflect back so my challenge for you in this episode would be to check your own biases check your own implicit cultural biases I think that's a big one because I don't think we can start doing this work unless we check ourselves okay we need to be aware of our biases 
and how it affects how we move and how we view people and how it how that might possibly limit us in providing representation on in our schools so that would be my challenge for you this episode Thank you, thank you, thank you again for listening and tuning in to episode 29. Again, this is your host, Geneva Rodriguez. You can listen to us on Spotify Music, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. Check us out on Instagram, coffeestains underscore edu. Our website is coffeestains.org. Thank you again, and it's a wrap.